Awesome. Hey, if you got your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 1 with me. We are going to dive into a uh, standalone message today coming out of uh, the Advent season. I hope everybody's Christmas was great. Was it good? I hope it was good. Hope it was good. Uh, next week, we are kicking off a brand new series called The Comeback. So you need to come back to hear it. Uh, it's going to be a, uh, it's gonna be a phenomenal series. We're, we've been prepping and planning for it the past couple of weeks. And uh, excited to see what God's going to do. So Ephesians chapter 1, 18 and 19. Let's read it real quick. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his inglorious inheritance in his holy people, his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's pray. Father, we we pray right now, God, in this short time that we have together that your word would do what it does best. God, I pray, Lord, that it would make us more into the image of Jesus. I pray that we would leave this place more in love with Jesus, more like Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill this house with hope, encouragement, with faith. Pray all that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. 2016 is right around the corner. How many ready for a new year? You ready for a new year? How many ready for this year to be done? (laughs) Get a new year in. It's 2016. We'll be here on Friday and excited about it. Excited about what God's going to do in 2016. Believe it's going to be the best year ever. When you think of the best year ever, what do you think of? What do you think of when you think of the best year ever? Think about your life. Think about the, the span of your life and think about the different years that you've had. When you think of the best year ever, what do, you, what do you think of? I think when we think about 2016 being the best year ever, I think what we're really thinking about, most of us if we were honest, is a year that's as problem-free as possible, right? Come on, let's not lie on this one. It's crisis-free as possible. The car works good the whole year. Come on. The, no, nothing goes out in appliances. Everything, I keep my job the whole year. Everything just goes well. The kids behave the whole year. Yeah, uh-huh. And so, you know, that's kind of our prayer for a, a blessed year. The best year ever is that this is going to be just a, a crisis-free year. But I, I, I wish that I could say that that would be the case for 2016. But we all know, anybody who's done life long enough knows that that's not the case. 2016 will maybe may a year that, that you get news that you don't want, like many people in this room have. Or, or there may be lost jobs, or there may be things that, that go down. We pray that those things don't happen, but it's, it's inevitable that in life, things are going to happen. And I feel like if I tell you that the best year ever is going to be a year where you're just going to be blessed and you're going to have all this money and you're never going to have any problems, like come January 2nd and something goes down, you're going to hate me. <laughs> have that dang preacher lying to me. <laughs> so I'm not going to promise that, the, that this is going to be the best year ever because it's going to be problem free. I'm going to promise you that this is going to be the best year ever because God's going to do something with your perspective. He's going to change your perspective. Can we throw that verse back up again uh, real quick? Anna? Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And this is my prayer as we go into 2016 for us as a church, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Now, when you see the eyes in the Bible, oftentimes when Jesus is speaking about the eyes, he's not necessarily talking about what you see out of your eyes, but he's actually talking about how you see it, how you see things. 
Because how you see things is actually way more important than what you see. And so in 2016, if there's anything that I want to give you as my gift to you coming into 2016, and my prayer for us as a church is that God would give us perspective to see 2016 through his lenses. That we'd be able to see that no matter what we go through in 2016, if we can look at it through the lenses of God, that everything that we go through is an opportunity for us to see God. And so I believe that we need to have a new perspective Perspective is everything. Perspective is what hinders us. Perspective is what helps us. And let me write this down. You, you have some notes. I want you to fill in some blanks here. Write this down. Your perspective will either become your prison or your passport. Your perspective will become either your prison or your passport. Uh, my middle son is here. Um, we Just this past year, uh, he, he learned how to ride the bike with no training wheels finally. Seven years old is about time, okay? And so I told him, it's about time. We've got to learn how to ride without the training wheels. And he was up for it. And, and the reason why it took so long was because he was scared of this bike. Absolutely terrified that, that he was going to fall and crash and bust it like he's seen a lot of his brothers do. And so he's scared and fearful of his bike. And it's been years and he's been riding on the training wheels. And, and, uh, and so finally, I, I just had enough. I said, listen, today's the day. Today is the day. And so I said, come outside. And he came outside and the wheels were off. It was just two, no longer four. And sure enough, he gets on it with intrepidation as he normally would. <laughs> Daddy, don't let me go. Don't let me go. And so you're holding the back of the seat. Y'all know, daddies, you're trying to bend over and hold the back seat and running with them and your back's killing you and you're doing all that trying to help him out. And probably, I, this is no lie, within less than five minutes, I'm just riding around with him and I just let go. And he takes off. Never falls. And I don't know if he's fallen since then. I'm sure he has. But that day he never fell. And he's like, go tell mama, go get mama. And so Lindsay's coming out, and he's just riding around with this big old smile on his face. And, and I thought about it. What changed? Did the bike change, or did his perspective change? See, his perspective changed. No longer was the bike a place of great fear, but now the bike was a place of great joy. And I think if we were to look at a lot of things in our life, our perspective would either imprison us. Come on, imagine there's three or four years he could have enjoyed this bike like he did then, but he didn't because of fear. But now he's being able to enjoy it with great freedom, which is his passport. And I think based off of how we look at every situation in our life, every situation in our life, it either is going to imprison us or it's going to be a passport. It's either going to confine us and hold us back from what God wants or If we change our perspective and get God's perspective, it can be a passport to free us up to do what God's called us to do. Amen? And so I believe that today, if there's anything I can give you for 2016, is to give you perspective. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to share four New Year's declarations for 2016. I don't want us to do New Year's resolutions because most of us know by January 6th or 7th, those are done. Uh, those don't work. Come on, anybody tried to work out, okay? All right, just don't work. So what I want to do is I want to give us perspective. I want us to make declarations over 2016 that we are going to look at throughout 2016. You can take these notes and post them on your bathroom or write them down, write the four down and put it somewhere in your car because I think these are things that you're going to have to every do, do a perspective checkup. And I think the daily habit that you need to do every day more than just brushing your teeth and toning those obliques 
I think you need to do a, a perspective checkup every morning. There's nothing more important to do a perspective checkup. Actually, you know that's why you come to church? Hopefully that's why you come to church. Because you come to church to hear the word of God and get God's perspective on what you're going through. And so when people leave here and go, man, that was an awesome message. You know what they're really saying? My perspective was changed. I see something totally different than when I saw it when I walked in. And so today, come on, how many want a new perspective? Let's look at, let's look at 2016 with new perspective. So we're going to do four declarations today. And so here's, here's your first one. Write this one down. First one is this. Every moment of uncertainty will be my opportunity to experience God's power. Every moment of uncertainty will be my opportunity to experience God's power. We're going to look at a story of Moses. We're going to look at four different stories with each four of these declarations. But the first story is the story of Moses and the children of Israel. Let me catch you up real quick. Moses had gone into Egypt. He said, let my people go. And Moses said, no. And so he sent some plagues, a bunch of them. So finally, Pharaoh said, okay, get out of here. And so they're leaving. Over a million children of Israel are leaving with Moses. They're on their way out. And Pharaoh realizes, wait, wait, hold up. I just sent off all my labor force. Those are all my workers. What am I doing? So he sends all of his soldiers, go get them and bring them back to Egypt. And so we catch up in the story. Moses and over a million people are now up against the Red Sea. And at their back, all they see is Pharaoh's chariots coming, cloud of dust coming their way. And they're stuck. What are we going to do? And here we catch up in the story in Exodus 14, verse 10 through 14. This is what it says. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their what? What does that say? Come on. You're going to look for that word all throughout this. Okay? It says, they lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they, were, they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, It is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Isn't that crazy that God freed them from the Egyptian slavery for years, and the first moment of a trial, they want to go back to what God saved them from? Does that sound familiar? Have you seen any people do that? As soon as God frees them from something, the first moment of a trial or suffering or uncertainty, what do you want to do? You want to run back to what's comfortable. All they knew was Egypt, but they were beat and tormented and harassed in Egypt, but they would rather go be beat and tormented and harassed in Egypt than to believe God to come through for them. And thank God they had a leader who, who didn't just tell them what they wanted to hear, but told them what they needed to hear. And this is what Moses tells them in the middle of this. Remember, we're talking about perspective. Children of Israel, they see, they see the Pharaoh's armies and they're like, ah! We need, <laughs> let's, just, let's just surrender now. We surrender now. But Moses has got a totally different perspective. Look what he says in verse 13. And Moses says to the people, fear not, stand firm. And what? And what's that word? See, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be. Just shut up. 
That would be the, that would be Pastor Josh's verse. Just shut up. God's going to do it. Just stop. Be quiet. So th- this is where we're at. We're, we're in a kind of a, a pickle right here of uncertainty. What's going to happen? There's an obstacle in the way. Don't know what we're going to do. Now, let me tell you this. For every obstacle you're going to face in 2016, every, every difficulty that you face, there will be an opportunity. And with every opportunity you face in 2016, there will be a difficulty. Every one of them. And you and I have an opportunity when the difficulty hits to either look at it as an opportunity or look at it as an obstacle. Most of us want to look at it as an obstacle, but when we have God, we look at it as an opportunity. So here we are in the midst of this. Moses believes that this is an opportunity for God to show up. Now let's skip. Let's skip 15 through 29. Let's not even read that part. Let's go right on to verse 30. Verse 30 says, Then the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. Hooray! It's awesome, huh? What did we just skip? We skipped the part you say in children's church. You missed the Red Sea. You missed God. <laughs> now here's the deal. When we're in, the, we're in a place of uncertainty, maybe you were in that place in 2015. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know what's going to happen with my relationship. I don't know what's going to happen with this thing. I don't know what's happening. Here's what we want to do. We want to, like on a DVD player, press skip. Hey, let's just skip to the next chapter. And we like what the next chapter is. The problem is, though, you miss the best part. That would be like watching a movie, getting into two chapters of the movie, and then skipping to the last, and they're kissing, and they walk in the sunset. Well, here's the problem. You miss the best part. That's like telling guys, hey, guys, don't go watch a football game. Just get an app. You'll see all the scores. What? Like, I don't want an app that sees the scores. Like, I want to see somebody hit somebody. I want to see, like, fourth quarter, throw a Hail Mary pass. Like, that's what I want to see. But for all of us, normally, that's not what we want life to be. We want life to be all good and calm and God just comes through. But what we don't realize is for God to come through, there's got to be a moment of uncertainty. And in this situation, there is a moment of uncertainty. They don't know what they're going to do. And Moses puts up a staff. The Red Sea parts. They walk through the Red Sea. They get all the way through the Red Sea. Moses comes. They turn around. All the chariots are coming through the Red Sea. It's an intense moment. I mean, this is, makes for like a really cool movie. Maybe there could be a movie about this sometime. That would be cool. And Moses says, and here it goes. And they're all flooded. And all of the children of Israel got to see the power of God. Here's, here's what I'm saying. In 2016, if you want to see the power of God, you also have to see the uncertainty. Because in every uncertainty is an opportunity for you and I to see the power of God. It's filled all through. Imagine what the Bible would be like if you took out all the uncertainty. Can you imagine how boring children's church would be? Like what stories would we tell? And God took them out of Egypt, and they just walked around the desert, and it was good. And then they were, like, you know what I mean? David and Goliath would not be a fun story if there was no Goliath. It'd be like David showed up with a basket and gave his brother some bread, and he went home. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Daniel in the lion's den. What kind of story would that be? You know, Daniel, he was praying. They told him, stop it. I mean, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, what, these stories are nothing without the adversity. The, the adversity is what makes the story because the adversity is where we see the power of God show up. And God does his greatest work when things are most uncertain. Some of you need to hear that today. God does his greatest work when things are most uncertain. When you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know where, how God's going to come through, that is when God works the most. He loves these environments. He thrives on those. And God is not going to call off the fight. Many of you felt like 2015 has been a fight. It's been a fight for your marriage. It's been a fight for your kids. It's been a fight for your finances. It's been a fight. Here's, here's the truth. Listen to me. God's not going to call off the fight. He's just going to step in and fight for you. And that's what you want. That's what you want. A lot of times God leaves us in the fight for us to get to a place where we finally decide, like, I can't fight. God's just telling you, shut up and let me fight. Stop worrying about the things that, that you can't do. Let me do what I can do, and you just do what you can do. And in 2016, you're going to face some stuff of uncertainty this year. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It may start tomorrow. Maybe you're in it right now. Whatever the uncertainty is, this is what you can, you can anchor your soul in. Every time there's an uncertainty, I have an opportunity to see God's power. Amen? Amen. Come on. It's five in the house. Five, I don't know if he's here. Look, five in Martha. Is this not the case? Every time you don't know. Five lost his job. Months and months of no job. Don't know where money's coming. Don't know how it's going to be paid for. Come on, God, was God faithful? Did you see his power? Is 2015 the best year ever? Yes, but it wasn't the best year ever because it wasn't hard. It's was the best year ever because God showed up. And let me tell you something. The best year ever is not when there's no problems. The best year is when God shows up. And I don't know about y'all, 2016, I just pray, God, would you show up in 2016, show off your power in a powerful way. In the times of uncertainty when I want to freak out, that I would remind myself that, God, you work best in the most uncertain times. You work best in the most uncertain times. So in every moment of uncertainty will be my opportunity to experience God's power. Number two, every moment of pressure will be my opportunity to encounter God's pruning. Mark chapter four, verse 35, it says, as Jesus said to, as, as the evening came, Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat. That's a big part. They took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill the boat with water. How many of you know? Water under the boat, good. Water around the boat, good. Water in the boat, not so good. Right? Water is coming into the boat. It's crashing into the boat. The disciples are freaking. They're freaking. Now I want you to see if Jesus is freaking. This is what Jesus is doing. Look at it says. It says, thir verse 38, and Jesus was freaking, oh wait, no, sleeping. He was sleeping. He had taken his Benadryl. He's out. He's, he's done. Come on, don't, you know you do that. Okay. A little Lunesta. A little. It says this. He says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care? We're going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. 
Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, hey, why are you guys afraid? Um, I don't know. Boat in water, water in boat, crazy storm. And then he says, do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let me ask you this question. Who put him in the storm? Maybe you missed that one. Look, go back to the verse before. You missed it. That's okay. I'm going to replay it. You'll see it. And as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side. Now, I I know you probably don't subscribe to this fact that if you love Jesus, then you're never going to have a storm, right? But you never subscribe to the fact that when you love Jesus, he'll put you in a storm. Woo! That's not popular preaching. I know it's not. Hey, come love Jesus. He's going to put you in a storm. But everything that God does has an intention. And everything God does is on purpose. And Jesus knew something about the disciples that most of us don't know. They were self-righteous dudes. They thought they knew it all. They thought they had it all together. They were confident in their ability. They were totally, all was good. They seen miracles. I mean, they just got done feeding 5,000. I mean, come on, we pretty good. We just got done feeding 5,000 people. And Jesus says, okay, we'll see how good you are. <laughs> hey, let's go get in a boat. You want to go for a boat ride? Hey, listen, by the way, if Jesus ever asked you to get in a boat, don't get in the boat. <laughs> just a tip. But... Jesus asked them to get in the boat, and they get in the boat, which, by the way, if you go read the Gospels, like, he does this to them three times. How stupid are they? They get in the boat three times. Like, Jesus is like, hey, go to the other side. I'd be like, not this time, Jesus. You ain't fooling me. But anyways, they get in the boat, and Jesus gets in the boat with them. And then the storms come, great fierce winds, water's coming in, and they're freaking out. And here's what's happening. This is what's happening. This is what we like to call uncomfortable grace. See, because most of us think that because God loves us, then nothing bad happens in our lives. We don't have pressure. We don't have pain. We don't have turmoil. We don't have stress. And that's not the case because what God was, al- God was allowing that, Jesus was allowing that because this is what was happening. He was exposing their heart. He was exposing where they had put their faith. God will take you to places and put you in situations that you don't want to be in to produce in you what you could not produce on your own. God will put you in difficult. Like, like, God, why did I have to be partnered up with this guy at my work? Seriously? And guess what God was doing? It's called spiritual sandpaper. And this guy is rubbing you the wrong way and everything's coming out of you. And guess what God's doing? I am refining you. I am pruning you. I am making you compassionate. I am making you loving. It's easy to love people who love you. Can you love people who don't love you? Oh, I don't like them, Jesus. I know. That's why I put them with you. And so some of you may be in a situation right now where there's pressure. Pressure. Maybe it's at the job or maybe it's at home or maybe it's something with the kids. Maybe it's financial. And this is what God's doing. God's putting pressure there. Because he's exposing your heart. How many know when pressure comes, what's in us comes out? And so if if what comes out is not honoring to God, then guess what? God continues to keep that fire on us to make us more like Jesus. It's called uncomfortable grace. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's because he does love you. 
He loves you enough to not let you stay the same. He loves you enough to put you in situations where you desperately need him more than anything else. God is way more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. 2 Corinthians, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, it says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters. Hey, listen, you need to know this. This is what you need to know about the trouble, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Come on, any of y'all felt like that this year? Crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability. Any moms in here, you feel overwhelmed? Any moms in here, be honest. I feel overwhelmed at times. Have Christmas at your house. You will feel overwhelmed. But they said we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought, listen to this, we thought we wouldn't even live through it. That's how bad it was. In fact, we expected to die. Paul's going, man, I, I, I didn't even think we were going to make it through it all. There's no way we're going to. But, but here's, listen, look, look at this. Remember, Perspective. Through all this pressure, through all this, look what Paul says. This is the, the perspective that God's given him. But as a result, we stopped relying on what? Come on, say it out loud. On ourselves, and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And can I tell you this? If this happened to Paul, we can pretty much be sure that God's going to do this to us. He's going to allow us to be overwhelmed. You know, I, the, the, listen, you hear this all the time. God will never give you more than you can handle. Really? Really? Those people don't know Jesus. Jesus actually gives you way more than you can handle. That's a lie because God wants you to come to a place to realize he's going to give you more than you can handle so he can handle it. And so God gives us way more than we can handle only for one purpose only, for us to rely on God. I love what Oswald Chambers, he said this, if we're ever going to be made into wine, we'll have to be crushed because you can't drink grapes. Grapes become wine only when they're squeezed. So if we want to become something that God can use, God's got to crush us. A.W. Tozer says, God cannot use a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. I know that's, listen, again, it's not popular preaching. Nobody wants to go through pain. But I'm going to tell you, if you come on the other side of it, you look back at it and you thank God for it. Joni Tata, who was, who was born with uh, a dis, dis, disabled, uh, she was in a wheelchair and, and uh, I think she was a paraplegic. Was she a paraplegic? She had what? She had an accident. That's what it was. Couldn't use her arms. Yeah, and uh, I, I read a quote from her actually yesterday. I was reading something on her, and she said, she said, when I get to heaven, she can't use her arms, can't use her legs. She says, when I get to heaven, I'm going to give my wheelchair to God and tell him, thank you, I needed that. <sighs> what? That's perspective. That's perspective. See, for us, we pray, God, take this away from me. But perspective is, God, thank you for giving that to me. That's doing something in me. See, because God's way more concerned about doing something in you than he is about doing something through you. We want God to do great things through us, but you don't realize for him to do something great through you, he's got to change you. Amen? And number three, every moment of pain will be my opportunity to give God praise. Acts 16, 22, verse 30, Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel, and people don't like it. 
And we're going to catch up with them in this. The crowd joined in attacking them. And magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them, underline that, he put them, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Every moment of pain will be an opportunity, will be my opportunity, to give God praise. Paul and Silas are doing what God has called them to do. God is telling them to go and share the gospel, and they've been sharing the gospel everywhere. And here are some people that don't like what they're doing and they get beat for it. They get beat for doing what God told them to do. And not only are they beat, but they're, but they're thrown in prison. And not only are they thrown in prison, but they're, they're put in shackles. And see, the soldier did, did one thing right and he did one thing wrong. Here's what I want you to see, because this is really, really important in this story. There's so many principles in this story, but here's two things that I want us to see. The soldier did one thing right and one thing wrong. So the first thing he did was right, was he obeyed and he put them in shackles, which they would have had their feet shackled together where they cannot move. They cannot move whatsoever. And they were in shackles and in prison. That he did right. But he did something wrong. In the verse it says he put them in the prison cell, which what he did wrong was he put them in the same one together. Whoops, wrong mistake. See, because the way Satan attacks us is he wants to isolate us. He wants to get us by ourselves. 2015 for you may have been absolutely miserable only if you were by yourself in solitary. And so the devil made a mistake. Through the soldier, the soldier accidentally put both of them in the same jail together. Well, guess what? The Bible says... Two are better than one. And so here they are, beaten, flesh probably hanging off, in prison. Their feet aren't moving. They ain't going anywhere. And I can only imagine the situation of what's going on. Paul's like, man, I can't move. Who knows if something's broken? And sure enough, Silas is busting out in song. Amazing grace. Shut up, Silas. I'm hurting. Amazing grace, my chains were gone. No, they're not. Stop it. I've been set free. My God, my Savior. I'm telling you, Silas, if you don't stop, I'm going to come and slap you. He's rescued me. And I'm sure at some point Paul probably chimes in. And like a flood... His mercy reigns, unfailing love, amazing grace. I need Antonio here to help me out. <laughs> and the Bible says that, that they're singing, because here's the truth. Their feet couldn't move, but their voices could still be heard. And I'm going to tell you this, 
perspective. These guys, even though they were in prison, were free before they were freed. They were free before they had freed, before they were freed. Here they are singing these hymns. And I love this. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know, the prisoner, uh, the the jailer got it wrong because he put them in there together. And I don't know about y'all, but 2016, you may go through hell. But I can tell you one thing. You might not be able to, to do anything about that. But don't do it alone because you can do something about that. Don't do it alone. You will be miserable and the enemy will attack you alone. But if you can get with some other people, come on, isn't that why we come to church today? Because we can lift our voices. We can continue to praise God. Hey, listen, devil, my chains, they may be shackled on me, but I can still sing. I can still sing. I can still praise God. You can't stop that. For those of you in here, maybe you walked into church today and you, you, you didn't sing. You know why? Because all you're focused on is the shackles. See, the reason why Paul and Silas could praise God was because their perspective was not connected to their pain. Come on, how many of you know our, our perspective would be all about the pain? I'm hurting, my back's hurting, I can't roll over, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't, I can't believe I'm in prison, I'm trying to obey God, he got me in prison. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's what would be us. But for Paul and Peter, they realized there was something so much greater that was going on here. And in the midst of the pain, they begin to praise God. And the Bible says there was a shaking that began to happen. And as they're singing, the shaking begins to open the doors and the shackles come off. For some of us in 2016, you're going to have to praise your way out. You're going to have to praise your way out. And if you only focus on where you're bound, you're going to stay there. Some of you need to hear me. If you only focus on where you're bound, you will stay there. You will stay there. You're either going to let your chains break your praise or you're going to command your praise to break your chains. And that's how it's going to happen. In the pain and the pressure and the torment, you're going to have to praise God. January 2nd, which is coming up in about a couple days, will be the three-year anniversary for our diagnosis with Joel. Three years. It's amazing. God's been so faithful. And I can remember us in those first 28 days going from one hospital to the next and being in New Orleans. And Lindsay's dad lives in New Orleans and, and he lives maybe 10 minutes away. And, and Joel was there in the ICU and everything that we were hearing was absolutely negative. Um, your son's not going to live long. We don't know. He's in congestive heart failure. We don't know what to do. That's a big one when a doctor says, I don't know what to do. There's no cure. Just your world is rocked. And I remember every night, Lindsay and I would trade. She would go to her dad's house and I would stay in the ICU with with Joel. And then the next night, I would go to her dad's and she would stay in the ICU so at least we'd get a couple hours of sleep. And I remember driving from New Orleans Children's Hospital to my father-in-law's house, and it was about 10 minutes. It was two worship songs. Two worship songs. And I can't tell you how much that 10 minutes, for Lindsay and I, because we both would do it, how much that 10 minutes would, would reorient my perspective before walking back into that hospital and then leaving the hospital and going back and just crying. 
I'm just crying, crying, just pouring my heart out to the Lord. Scott Blanchard had just gotten back from a Passions Conference with a bunch of our college-age students, and he gave me a Chris Tomlin CD that he just came out with. And so I throw that in and turn that thing all the way up, and I'm crying, driving this 10 minutes back to my father-in-law's house, just pouring my heart out to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, that, that 10-minute drive there and back in the mornings or in at night was what kept me anchored. It's what kept me anchored. And, and, and throughout this journey of three years, when, when two days ago, my son, I'm, I'm sitting in a hunting blind with Pastor Bo, which is, that's, that's a God thing right there. I'm in a hunting blind with Pastor Bo. <laughs> um, I slayed him, by the way. And so I... I get a text from Lindsay going, what, how, when are you going to be home? Said, I, I'm not sure. I'm with Pastor Bubba. I don't, I don't know. And she said, well, Joel just woke up and he's thrown up eight or nine times already. And, and like it just hits again. You're just reminded yet again, like, we're not over this. It's still there. And you want to just break down. And you want to ask God, why? And then in that moment... You got to get the perspective. God, in the pain, this is my opportunity to praise you. What would it look like in the middle of the pain, instead of it being our opportunity to complain and whine, what would it look like if we took that opportunity to go, God, you're bigger than this. God, you're fighting for me. God, you're here in the midst. God, thank you that you're faithful. God, thank you that you're good. Come on, church. Anybody in here? Get your praise on when it hurts the most. Anybody can praise God when life's good. Spiritual maturity is can you praise God when life is terrible? Can you love Jesus even in the midst of the, the diagnosis is not what you want. When the, when the pain, when the husband is not where you want him to be. Come on, may we be a people that in every moment of pain we would take the opportunity to praise God. And last but not least, every moment of disappointment, number four, will be my opportunity to trust God's plan. Story of Joseph has a dream. God tells him, you're going to rule over the nations. Your family is going to actually bow down to you. He tells his family that. They kind of don't like it. So his brothers devise a plan. They go sell him off as a, as a, as a, as a slave. He's going to slave, trying to do his best. Potiphar's wife hits on him. She, he gets accused of, of raping, trying to rape her. He gets thrown in, in prison, all for just trying to do what God's telling him to do. Eventually, God remembers him. After years and years and years, God finally does elevate him to second in command. And there's a famine that hits the land. His family comes to Pharaoh's place. And there is Joseph in second of command. And they don't know it's Joseph until finally he reveals that it's him. They think he's dead. And he finally reveals to his brothers who had sold him off in slavery. And this is what he says to them. I would want to have a peace of mind. I'd want to say something to them. It wouldn't be what I'm about to read though. Come on, how many are with me on that one? You want food? No food for you. <laughs> no food for you. The food Nazi. But thankfully, Joseph loves Jesus. And he's got a different perspective. And look at his perspective here. 
Despite the disappointments of his life, despite the prison and despite the pit and despite all of the, the false accusations, look at, look at Joseph's perspective. But Joseph says to his brothers, he says, hey guys, don't fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've been hurt. I don't know if people have actually done like what Joseph has done, and they have intentionally tried to hurt you, to malign your character, to speak negatively of you, and you face some disappointments in life. Can I tell you this? Every disappointment that you've ever walked through and ever will walk through in 2016, it's not necessarily a failure because failure is not final. I believe every disappointment that we walk through is an opportunity and a stepping stone for God's purposes in our life. You know, this was a special Christmas for Lindsay and I. It was the first time we ever got to host Christmas at our house because for the last 11 years, we've lived in a house that was barely fit our family of five. And, uh, and this year, we were able to be in a house that had almost 30-something people come over, and it was awesome. We loved it. And that was the blessing of it all. But what most people don't realize is there was five years leading up to that where we had three or four failed contracts on our house. We had shown our house 60, 70, 80 times, couldn't sell it. We had put contracts on other houses, and we'd have to go back to them and say, sorry, our contract fell through. We're going to have to cancel that contract. And this literally went on for probably four or five years. I mean, Lindsay, literally to the point, Lindsay was like, I don't even want to sell the house anymore. I'm done. And for those five years, I would always go to God and go, God, I want a house so I can do things. I want a house so I can have my family. I want a house so I can, I can actually have a life group in my own home and not have to go to somebody. Like, God, I just, I want to use it for you. And it was disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And now I look back and I go, no, no, no. It wasn't disappointment. It was God setting us up for where we are today. And I don't have time to get into the full story of the house that we have today because it was a God thing of how we even got the house that we're in now. But now I look back at those small houses that I was going to buy and I go, thank God I didn't buy those. And thank God I'm in what I am today. Are y'all with me here? So every, listen, I say all that to say every disappointment you face, you look at it and go, God, why? God, why? But every time there's a disappointment is an opportunity to trust God's got a greater plan. He's got a greater plan. He's got a greater purpose. And in 2016, plans are going to fall through. You're going to get disappointed. Expectations aren't going to be met. But I believe your greatest disappointments can be God's greatest display of his power and work in your life. Amen? Amen. In closing, I want, I want to say this. In college football, there is a, there's these officials that most of you may, may or may not know. There's officials on the field. But there's actually officials in the booth. I don't know if y'all knew this. There's officials in the booth. And any time that there's a play that happens where there's a red flag that's, that's thrown and a, you know, a coach throws the flag and challenges the play, usually what they do is they go, well, we're taking it to the booth because the official in the booth has all these video monitors, has the ability to see all, all what's going on. And he's got perspective that nobody else has. He gets to see the same play from six, seven, eight different perspectives, up, down, close, far out. And, and he's, he's looking at all this that's going on. 
And so when a coach thinks somebody went out of bounds or they dropped the ball or whatever, they'll throw a red flag and go, listen, I want to challenge the play. I want to challenge the play. And they'll take it up to the booth upon, and, and this is what, that, what they say. Sometimes they'll come down from the, and how many know, like, the, the booth time is usually the most boring part of the game. Like, oh, my God, it's the booth. Okay. We go and, you know, grab something to eat during that time. But what we don't realize that's happening is I've seen seasons literally turn around from one decision that came from the booth. Because what sometimes happens is the, the official will get on and say, upon further review, that's how he starts it out, upon further review, the play is good. But sometimes, come on, listen to me, sometimes, this is what the, the official says, upon further review, the play has been turned over. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, not, it's not what it is. And I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we need to take our pain and our disappointments and our wayward children and our lost jobs and our uncertainties, and we need to take it to the booth and let God come down and give us his perspective and say, upon further review, there's still hope. Upon further review, you're still in the game. Upon further review, come on, one decision like that can change a life. Just like it can change a team and their future forever. Come on, we've seen some games with one decision, it changed the whole game. For some of us in here, when we come into church like this, this is the place for us to go, God, I'm taking it up to the booth. Because from my perspective, this is all that I see, and I don't see it playing good. And God says, listen, take it up to the booth, because upon further review, I see it way differently than you see it. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so this is where we are today. As we go into 2016, that we would have, God, give us your perspective. God, give us your perspective. God, help us to see pain and uncertainty and disappointment and pressure as not things that are bad, but as obst- not as obstacles, but as opportunities to, for you to receive glory. All heads bowed in this place. Father, we love you. God, we pray right now in this moment. God, some people right now are walking through obstacles in their own life. God, it's, it's been difficult in, in the season that they're in right now. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give this church perspective. God, help us to see what you are doing. Maybe it's something that you're doing in us. Maybe it's something that you're setting us up. Maybe you're setting us up for something that we don't even see. But God, I pray that you would breathe hope and faith and life into your church today. God, I pray, Lord, that they would trust you. God, we trust you. That even when we can't see it, We trust you. We trust your heart. We trust that you're good. We trust that you're faithful. If there's those of you in here today and you would say, you know what? I'm I'm going through a season right now and I need God's perspective. I need his perspective. If that's you all across this room, would you just raise your hand? You're going through something right now and you need God's perspective. Because really your perspective and other people's perspective, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, but you need God's perspective. God, I pray right now for every hand that's raised. God, I pray that you would fill your people with hope. God, I pray that you would fill your people with peace. God, knowing that you're working all things out for their good and for your glory. And that no matter what comes their way this year in 2016, God, that every obstacle will be an opportunity for you to display your glory and your power in their life, God. Lord, I pray that 2016 would be the best year ever for each one of these people. Not because it has no problems, but because you're in the middle of it, that you're at the center of it. God, that we declare today, God, that we trust you. We trust your plan. God, we trust what you're doing in us and through us, God. Lord, we trust, God, that you are making a way for us. 
God, you're doing things in us and through us today, God. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, for every person. If there's anybody in here that you, you, you haven't put your full trust in, and hope in God, you, you don't know if you've been born again. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've been christened. Maybe you've been baptized. But when it comes to being born again, totally surrendering your heart over to the Lord, you haven't done that. And you say, Pastor Josh, today I'd like to put my whole hope, my whole heart in his hands. I need a new heart. I need salvation. I need him to save me, rescue me. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand? Anybody in here? I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Awesome. Seven. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, the best decision ever makes, put our trust. We surrender it all. Anybody else? Come on, let's pray all this together. Would you pray this with me? Come on, all the church. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe on the cross you took my guilt, you took my sin, you took my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to go there. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today I turn away from my sins to be born again, and I receive you today as Jesus, Lord and Savior, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with all the seven people today who made that decision. It's awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Hey, if you made that decision today, that is definitely your first step, but it is not your last one, and there's many other steps to take, and we have a class called Next Step. We'll kick off January 10th, two Sundays from now. We encourage every person in the church to actually go through it, to learn about the church, find out how to get connected. We'd love for you to do that. Hey, next weekend, next weekend, next weekend, comeback series kicks off. If you kn- Listen, I'm just telling you right now, m- most of the time we just do series and you don't know what we're preaching, and I'm just going to give you a heads up. If anybody you know does not know Jesus and you want them to know Jesus, over the next four weeks, get them to church, okay? Um, because God is going to rescue more people in January, I believe, than any month that he has yet this January, and we're going to be preaching that simple gospel message. So the comeback series starts next weekend, and 21 days of prayer and fasting starts next week. So I hope you ate a lot, because um, it's going to kick off on January 4th. All right, once you stand, I want to pray a blessing over you, and we'll dismiss you today. Father, I pray your blessings on each person, and they're coming in and going out. God, I pray that you would be with them. God, I pray that you, your face would shine upon them. God, I pray, Lord, that they, that they would hear your voice. And God, I pray that you would direct them and guide them in all that they do. Give us your perspective. Help us to see with your lenses in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. We love you and be blessed. Hey, go hook up Antonio. Go grab a CD. We'll see you next Sunday.